Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned into episode number 308 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And this should be a good episode. It's our short format topic episode on the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And we're glad you're here with us and uh, wherever you happen to be and whenever you happen to be. It's going to be a good time. And I'm your host for us, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right, so for our lead topic, we're just going to have Bill talk about the Boy Scouts of America because we can't get 15 seconds into an episode without Bill mentioning it at least once. So, Bill, go ahead and tell us about Joda and Jody, which happened over the weekend. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Joda Jody uh, 2019 is a wrap. It's over with. Uh, I mean, uh, technically, I guess you could yeah, you could keep on extending it into, uh, you know, college, uh, what is it, school club roundup week or something like that. Why not? You know, it's another youth program. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty busy the weekend. Uh, heard lots of activity on Echo Link. I was basically kind of planted there myself. I was on, uh, uh, Star Jambo Star for, uh, Saturday. And then I was on Star Joda 365 or Star Joda 365 Star, um, from Saturday night into, uh, Sunday midday. And I streamed all those online on the K2BSA channel. So you can check those out if you want to rewind, check it out, uh, see what was going on on those channels. Um, we did have, uh, of course, we're asking everybody to send in their reports right now. So if you've uh, operated, uh, send in your report, uh, your amateur radio call sign, all that fun information. There's a form on the K2BSA site. Gives us an idea of how many people participated, how many, uh, how many vet, uh, uh, visitors you had, how many, uh, how many radio operators you had there and, and what you did on the radio. Um, we do have some people doing some Jody, uh, only stuff through our submission page. Um, that's not terribly useful for us. Uh, we're primarily counting numbers for, uh, Jamboree on the air, but, uh, I mean, we'll take the reports and we'll, uh, forward it on over to the, uh, uh Jamboree on the internet folks in the U.S. So don't worry about that. Uh, I had a couple of interesting reports, uh, come in that I wanted to sort of highlight for this podcast. Uh, we have the, uh, W2LJ did a nice blog post, uh, write up, uh, about his Joda experience here. And he wrote it up today and it was titled Joda was kind of a bust. And he said, uh, this past Saturday, an intrepid few from the South Plain amateur or Plainfield amateur radio club and a few friends set up, uh, in Putnam Park in town. Our goal is to get local scouts in town to come and work other scouts as part of the Jamboree on the air. As it turned out, no scouts showed up. <laughs> and uh, this can happen. And uh, I believe we uh, I've talked about this multiple times. Uh, this is uh, why the best planning for this event happens when you go to where the scouts are. Uh, you have a year 
starting today. Go ahead. Start today. You have one year to try to plan an event where you're actually where scouts are already going to be. It's very hard to do an amateur radio only event um, with a very crowded scout calendar. Now, if you happen to be on the uh, scout calendars for the year as that your event, then yeah, then that's pretty embarrassing that you didn't have a, you didn't have participation, but I'm assuming you didn't because I've done one of these two, these pop up, uh, you know, Joder things. And, uh, yeah, even with uh, several months of planning, if it's not part of the curriculum, not part of, uh, the calendar of the district or the council or the troop, it's going to be hard pressed to get the buy in to actually go there. Uh, so, uh, definitely, definitely, uh, try to coordinate next year and you'll have a way better experience. And plus, he had a bunch of, a uh, bunch of volunteers there. Um, he had Bill W2AOF, Dave KD2FSI, Bill K2, uh, KC2PLO. And let's see, had, uh, yeah, maybe some other guys, WB2UDCs, K1. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of participation over there. Um, but yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta go where the scouts are. It, it's really hard to do these uh, events. Another, uh, another, uh, interesting, uh, entry here. I'm just bringing it up right now is from W4UOO and that's Mike Springer down there in, uh, in good old, uh, greater Tampa Bay council, uh, uh, Florida. And, uh, he had 240 Cub Scouts and he had some, uh, 10 Boy Scouts there. So he had 250 Scouts total that went through his station and his station. He, he gave us a little synopsis or, or, or synopsis of his, uh, station. Uh, our event was punctuated by rain and tornado warnings from Tropical Storm Nestor, but a little overnight with uh, none during our operations. Uh, scheduled was three council spookery campouts. Okay, get it. He was at a scheduled event, <laughs> and he had 250 scouts. Big difference. Big difference. Halloween theming, highlighting the falls activity for the Greater Tampa Bay Council. Given the Tropical Storm Nestor was making landfall on Saturday, Two of the three events were, were, were rescheduled. So he still was at one of the events and had a really successful operation. Um, I, I'm looking here if he had some, uh, some band issues, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't see any, but I, I heard there were, were some, uh, some interesting band, uh, HF band issues going on. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Looks like he uh, was working uh, 17 and 15, so like those were open. I think you experienced that was open the other day too, didn't you? It's been open a little bit um, every day for a while. Yeah, even, even 10's open a bit. Yeah, so uh, that's good. That's good news. Uh, so yeah, the, everything was hopping. The digital modes were hopping. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be like this as we get these reports to come in here. Is that we're going to see a, a very widespread of. <laughs> we went out there and nothing happened. <laughs> and then the other is like, Oh yeah, we, uh, you know, had a whole bunch of events canceled, but yeah, we were still managed to get 250 scouts through. So, uh, so yeah, it is a great weekend. It's always a fun weekend. And of course it's leading up into, you know, the school club roundup. So yet another, yet another youth event to participate in. I only heard a couple of hecklers on echo link, uh, from a Delta Lima station. I won't mention it any more than that, but, uh, uh, I did hear a little uh, QRMing uh, uh, or bad interference going on from uh, somebody on Echolink. It's really stupid to do when your call sign's on there, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, try not to have that happen in the future. I heard uh, several HF stations, of course, and it always happens on HF, but 
Um, you're always going to have trolls out there bothering people. Um, you know, that's why you have a dial on your, your, your control there on your radio and you can just kind of move around and, uh, don't all sit on 290. Like, uh, I heard quite a few people saying, I'm on 290 and nobody's there. Roll the dial. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that for next year. Your radio came with a dial or up and down buttons. Um, definitely use those a lot. Use those a lot. We have a whole general spectrum. Uh, you know, the general class, uh, amateur radio spectrum is, is great for that. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I think it was a pretty good weekend. The numbers, uh, the report numbers are looking good. Uh, so far, uh, I don't have any, uh, full numbers to share because I'm still compiling all of them. But, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend. Sounds good. I'm going to have to go back and listen to my, uh, Echo Link and see what, what I sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> you were definitely recorded because I remember listening to you while I was on there. Ah, cool. Very good. So unfortunately, I didn't get to participate like I wanted to, but I did my best. I got online. All right. You know, I got on Echo Link. That's something. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I witnessed it. So it's that's right. Happened. So there's actual proof. Definitely happened. <laughs> and it's probably on YouTube too. <laughs> yeah. And, and assuming the, the station I contacted actually logged the contact, um, there should be proof there as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you roll on as we move into, uh, our amateur radio topics for the evening because this is one you threw in here and you probably know it better than we do. So, uh, I'll just let you keep on talking for the next minute or two. Alrighty. So, uh, this was a press release. Uh, it's the Homebrew Heroes Award for 2019 and amateur radio was announced. This press release came from, uh, Ridgeland, Mississippi from K4FMH sent it to me an email. Uh, this was back in October 13th. So it was last week, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, you're listening to it brand new here right now. Today, the Homebrew Heroes Award program announced its first annual recipient, Hans Summers. Call sign G0UPL. The annual award recognizes persons, groups, or organizations who help to define the frontiers in amateur radio technology through the longstanding tradition of homebrew construction. This is the first of the annual awards to be given by the new program housed at the website address homebrewheroes.org. Um, this is a quote uh, from Frank. Uh, our steering committee sought uh, the advice of anonymous selection committee who surveyed the landscape of known homebrew designers uh, designers in Amadio. There are indeed very many deserving ones or many, very, many, very deserving. Okay, whatever. Uh, but only one can be chosen each year. The steering committee was uh, this recommendation to make this first award to Han Summers G0 UPL, said Frank Howell, K4FMH. Other committee members are Martin Butler. M1MRB and Colin Butler, M6BOI. Hmm, sounds like all the ICQ podcast guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All three are affiliated with the ICQ podcast. Uh, very good, guys. That's awesome. Um, the hero for 2019, uh, Han Summers stated to be the honoree for the first of these uh, homebrew hero awards is quite significant for me. I am humbled and frankly, uh, just blown away by it all. I've uh, been sharing my homebrew work through my personal website, hansummers.com for years now and my company, QRP labs, QRP labs.com, uh, for just a few years. But the latter is my full time work these days to have these efforts publicly recognized in this way is so personally gratifying. And of course you can find out the rest of the press release and more information on that award and probably future um future uh, uh, nominations over there on homebrewheroes.org all right very cool and i heard m1 mrb on system fusion a few days ago and i had my dmr rig and i was going through my pi star 
And I called to him like 15 times and he was talking to a bunch of people and he never responded to me. And then I found out my five star wasn't actually transmitting. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. No, he was it. ignoring you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too, but no, yeah. I, I eventually found out that I had DMR gateway set up, but I did not have it enabled. <laughs> so, Oops. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was talking to no one, <clears throat> which is sad because that would have been fun to talk to Martin on, on system fusion. So, but anyway. Let's move on. We have another topic in amateur radio, and this is the WIA board director believes youth is the future of amateur radio. There's a lot of topics on youth in this show because of uh, Joda and Jody recent events. Uh, the WI director, WIA director, Mike VK8MA says, quote, it is an appropriate time to think about our young people. Times are tough on the HF bands with conditions so depressed. So, understandably, Internet comms methods work well. What we need is these young people to have their appetites whetted to maintain interest. Although we may have not got everything we wanted from the recent ACMA review, the Foundation enthusiasts should take heart. You can now use all these incredible weak signal digital modes, which will open up a new world for you while HF conditions are depressed. You can also start learning how to build your own gear. He continues, my thanks to all the old-timers of the VK3 branch back then at the old club rooms in Vic Parade, South Melbourne. Wouldn't we all love to hear a list of new members that outweighed our silent keys? These young people are our future. We have the knowledge and experience to hand out onto our successors. We need to replace silent keys with young, vibrant youth enthusiasm. They don't come with it. They need to inherit it from us, the WIA, with all its expertise. Yes, the plea is to all clubs, cultivate new young membership and help them. So uh, I think uh, Joda actually speaks to getting young people involved in amateur radio as well as clubs in general. And it's a theme we discuss rather often on the show because if we leave it to uh, all the people who are just getting up there in years, there probably won't be amateur radio before too long. So, So get people interested in amateur radio, participate, do the things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> to, to be generic <clears throat> yes yeah, generic exhortation do the things <laughs> all right so cheryl are you ready to read a story uh no i'm not i'm dealing with issues. you don't have any computer issues i'll read the next one uh, <laughs> let her catch up all right so this well, is I'm curious what the computer issues are uh, yeah i'm missing software operator yeah, headspace error software. <laughs> don't say that she'll hit me because i get it from him all the time that's okay you can smack him and proxy for me yeah that's, that's a, yeah, fine thank you i'm gonna call up precious and have her smack you just for no reason at all yeah. all right let's do this story uh generations and the world connected by amateur radio the j-i-j-a-r-l which I suppose is the Japan Amateur Radio League or something similar to that, reports the Tokyo Amateur Radio Ham Fair 2019 welcomed a total of 42,000 visitors in two days. Take that, Dara. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This was the highest number of visitors since it became a two-day event. Amateur radio operators from all over the world participated and enjoyed various exhibits and events in the venue and exchanges with Japanese amateur radio operators. In addition, the admission for male attendees under 22 and all women was free this year. Uh, this year. 
So it was like ladies day all weekend. Uh, <laughs> Got to do something about that. Uh, so many friends from school club activities and female amateur radio enthusiasts uh, all visit uh, also visited. Wow. Can't talk today. Uh, in addition, <laughs> many OMs attended with families, including children and grandchildren. J.A.R.L. representative Yoshirinori uh, Kashio. <laughs> okay. I'll take that. JG1 TKC comments. I strongly feel that amateur radio is an important foundation that connects people across borders and beyond generations and genders. And in the future, we will continue to promote JARL's important mission of inheriting this amateur radio together with its members and sharing its appeal with more people. And that comes from Southgate ARC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, we saw over at the, the J at the Tokyo ham fair, of course, all the fancy new radios. So like the new stuff that, comes from japan generally we'll see over there and then you know maybe we'll get like one debut over in, in dayton <laughs> and then once in a while you'll see a european radio come out over in uh in uh frigixhaven 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 wunderbar i wasn't anyway. born with a born with a german tongue yeah or whatever yeah. is required to speak the language so. and i think that the cool one for all the qrp guys of course was that ic705 which is the little portable field radio that looks like an ic703 that's just fat <laughs> <laughs> it's like a kx3 that's fat with a ic70 or whatever ic7300 screen on it i have so, to say i'm i'm in love with people who criticize the way a radio looks <laughs> It's like, uh, I do that all the time. No, I know. And people do it of all kinds of things. The um, FTDX 101D is still the ugliest radio I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Yezu. I love all your other radios, but like that one was not impressed. <laughs> now, of course, receiver wise, best receiver out there, but, uh, according to Sherwood, <laughs> but, uh, is ugly. <laughs> is, is it functional? Is it easy to use? Does it have just, a decent interface? I don't like the, button layout it's just it's just wrong something about it i just don't like is is that what makes the radio ugly is yeah. is the actual interface or is it literally the way it looks is there a beauty specification for amateur isn't, radio isn't gear? that what makes a website ugly the interface well what i'm saying though is just because it's not functional or, or not particularly well, I don't know functional i don't know if it's functional so i can't answer the ux opinion just purely cosmetic wise i just did not like the looks of the layout that's just me <laughs> well okay <laughs> it, it's interesting that it could be are... ux design i mean they might probably spend like millions of dollars doing a ux design on the front panel to make sure they had the buttons in the right spot where people would use it the most and i mean that's what we do for websites right we have you know entire ux teams that just you know do all this stuff thinking about how people use things and do studies and everything else that programmers hate to hear <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah yeah but anyway um, yeah, it's great. All right. <laughs> that was probably a weird aside, but anyway, if anyone wants to comment on the, how beautiful your radio is, I mean, we'd like to hear it. <laughs> 703, baby. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, uh, the IC703 and the IC706, those, those are pretty sexy. Yep. I like them. They're functional. The only thing that most people complain about is, would be the menu. Yeah. Just because like it is a bit cryptic. I wouldn't say it's as cryptic as a Yezu menu. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty damn cryptic <laughs> and then you get like a hot menu and then you get the the reboot 
super menu where you can go in and set all the settings. Um, yeah, so it is a bit cryptic, but um, but yeah, functionally, like using the radio, perfect. Like there's just enough buttons, just enough knobs to get the job done, and that's what I like about the FT four four fifty D, and that's what I like about your fifty seven well five seventy D, right? Is that the one you have five seventy D? Yeah, the five seventy D. It's a great radio. I mean, it's just perfect. It's not yeah. not too many buttons. Right, doesn't have all doesn't the controls have more crap than you don't need. Yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. Has exactly what you need to do or need to do what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, and the extra stuff, you know, like you maybe not have to access, but maybe once is hidden in a menu. Everything else is kind of exposed where you need it when you need to use it. So yeah, it's there's something about that. I mean, there's there's just something about that. Yep, fair uh, enough. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just call a radio sexy? There's oh, definitely yeah. some sexy, sexy ham radio gear out there. Yep. I mean, that's why I have more than one seven zero three. They're they are sexy. <laughs> I'm guys, in love. <laughs> guys rank like cars and ham radios and. And that's why he has two of them. So let's not talk sexy. about cars. I don't talk about my Volkswagen. Just just, <laughs> just puked up some more oil today out on the street. I'm like, just so never she's no get longer sexy for you. No, because he just just swapped out the turbo in it, and apparently, yeah, the turbo. I cleaned out the intake. I did the uh, EGR delete, and uh, yeah, now I got oil coming from somewhere, probably the head. And I'm like, oh no, yeah. uh. definitely don't want your girls to have oil coming from the head. That's no, that's no, oil from the head is bad. Bad. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Anyway, we're going to switch over to some open source topics. And the first one tonight is GNU means GNU's not you. On Monday, a group of maintainers of the GNU project, a totally free operating system created by Richard Stallman, questioned Stallman's leadership and emitted a joint statement for rethinking how the project should be managed going forward. Uh Uh-oh, trouble in paradise. Late last month, after resigning as president of the Free Foundation in the wake of a catastrophically insensitive statement, Posted to an MIT mailing list and a social media backlash, Stallman also appeared to resign as the head of the GNU project. A statement saying as much appeared on his personal website, but then it disappeared, leaving speculation that the site had been hacked. <laughs> and, whoa, GNU was hacked? Well, GNU. No, his GNU. personal website. <laughs> uh, he probably uses GNU software. I'd be willing yeah, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably still email. CGI. <laughs> Rather than Pearl. Yeah, that's true. It's probably written in Bash. Uh, in an email to the register, Matt Lee, a free and open source software developer and one of the 18 signatories of the joint statement, offered support for that theory. Quote, regarding his website being defaced, Stallman's personal site has been hosted by Positive Internet in the UK for a long time, and he has many volunteers who update parts of that site daily, uh, Lee said. Uh, he continues, I would expect someone who had access at some point but had been dormant updated his site. It seems like the error was caught pretty quickly, and Stallman seems to be the master of his domain once more, end quote. And apparently he can keep his domain to himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, very good. That comes to us from the register. So, interesting story there. I haven't really heard anything from or about Stallman in recent, like, years i guess so well except for recently so well except now. for like right now yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe he's just trying to uh become relevant again i don't know well now he just needs to shut up disappear for a while and then come back in about five ten years when nobody gives a crap anymore oh right? didn't didn't another like <laughs> mogul of the free source world do something very similar not too long ago <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, possibly. But. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Some people just need to stay gone. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway, Cheryl, are you ready to read a story? Sure. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Larry Wall. All right. So our next story is Larry Wall approves renaming Pearl Six to Raku. This is longtime Slashot reader Hondo77 notes that Larry Wall has given his approval to the renaming of Pearl Six. In the Path to Raku pull request, Larry Wall indicated his approval, leaving this comment. I am in favor of this change because it reflects an ancient wisdom. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wine skins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. What the hell's a wine skin? <laughs> you don't know what a wine skin is? No, I do. It's just oh, okay. <laughs> it's a stupid yeah. analogy. Oh it, no, it is. Yeah, it is kind of a no, stupid analogy. No, it's definitely analogy. somebody talking out of his ass. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say, Pearl Six will become Raku, assuming the four people who haven't yet approved the pull request give their okay. Reports to register. Adding that oh, there's only four people using Pearl anymore. Yeah, no. Apparently so. <laughs> I, I know one of them. All four people. And you're one of them. <laughs> no, no, I'm not one oh, of them. Oh, okay. no, well, I mean, I use Pearl when necessary, but I'm, you know, not yeah. a huge Pearl guy. <laughs> yeah, I haven't used Pearl since 02, at least. Yeah, well, you know. So, and they added that Pearl 5 will then become simply Pearl. Dozens of comments on the Pearl, on the pull request have now already been marked as outdated. And while a few contributors have made a point of abstaining from the approval process, reviewer Alex Daniel notes that the pull request will be merged on October 14th if nobody in the list rejects it or there are requests more changes. And that source is from Slashdot. All right. Very cool, I guess. I don't know. So Pearl is now Raku. Whatever. Well, Pearl 6 is. <laughs> Pearl 6 is Raku, yeah. And Pearl 5 is pearl is per- <laughs> and pearl five is pearl right is so it raku or reku or so what, what happens if you didn't reku? even get to pearl five are you still pearl four eight nine or whatever i'm still using pearl three I mean, pearl three <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not, I'm not using pearl at all unless it's forced on me by, by like a amateur radio application that is written in it so <laughs> it's very uh, functional in the terminal had a really good cursus uh library yeah, that's true. I mean, there there are some nice things about Pearl, but it it could be overly syntactically complicated at times. <laughs> yeah, but what was it made for? It was well, it, it is what it was made for in the name. It's a regular expression language, so yeah. So Pearl, so it's like <laughs> it Emacs. It's, it, yeah. it way yeah, it's outgrew Emacs. the <laughs> confines of its original intent. <clears throat> so. Yeah, so where where all your regex comes from today came from Pearl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for the people who decided the Pearl regexes they don't like, and so they use a different one. Which aren't used. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, they are. Just almost, <laughs> almost every implementation I've seen, uh, you can use Pearl uh, languages for, well, you know, whatever. The regex, <laughs> reg, regex symbols and stuff. Slash D plus slash uh, slash uppercase. Right, right, right. Most, yeah. most things are will translate over. Not everything. Yeah. All right, Bill. Hit it. Open Libra. Spam. No, uh, Open Libra is uh, the open Click alternative. Bag, trigger, trigger, yeah, to <laughs> Space Bags Libra. 
while Facebag's uh, upcoming cryptocurrency Libra struggles to keep partners on board and regulators happy, an alternative called Open Libra is here to address some of the Libra's potential shortcomings. Announced at Ethereum's uh, Foundation's DevCon 5 conference in Osaka, Japan, Open Libra is described as an open platform for financial inclusion with a telling tagline, not run by Facebag. Uh, Open Libra aims to be compatible with, uh, with Libra in a technical sense, meaning it won't be implemented. Oh, wait, no. Meaning someone building an app on Libra platform should be able to easily deploy it to Open Libra as well. Open Libra's token value will be pegged to the value of Libra token, but while Libra will be the permissioned blockchain, meaning roughly that only permitted parties will be able to run Libra node, Open Libra will be permissionless from the start. There's an important difference in governance too. Uh, Libra will initially be run by a foundation comprised of, a, of up to a hundred corporations and nonprofits. It is not entirely clear how Open Libra will be governed, but the strong, the 26 strong core team of wannabe millionaires, uh, no, of a project includes people related to cryptocurrency projects such as Ethereum and Cosmos, which have not performed very well. And uh, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't in the perform- story. No. Oh my gosh, that's from Mashable too. So if you want to read the real story without all of my commentary in it, go over to Mashable and you can read the really bad story over there. But uh yeah, um I'm just waiting for uh I'm just waiting for the green the green deal or green people to like realize that all this cryptocurrency mining stuff is burning up uh, all those uh all those electrical uh <laughs> <laughs> power plants they're going into where electricity is cheap and just just sucking it dry so they can uh, mine all this cryptocurrency so the early adopters can get a lot of the uh, tokens and then everybody else can pile on it's all a scam <laughs> it's <laughs> it all the, it's a pyramid scheme it's all it fake is news. the biggest scam next to amway no i'm just kidding <laughs> i don't know if it's quite as big as amway but it might be bigger <laughs> it's yeah well I, I, I have a friend personally who got who got into ethereum mining and i i saw kind of what their setup was and it was basically just them pouring you know in a back office somewhere just building multi-core gpu machines to do nothing but and probably stealing so. power from somebody probably yeah yeah so. yeah and that's generally the case with all of these cryptocurrencies they're all stealing power from somebody or going to some third world area where power is cheap <laughs> or some very specific area where they have severe subsidies let's talk about hydropower and uh, wind power and stuff like that and then basically just draining the grid dry um <laughs> Yeah, it's just stupid. I, I understand the point to have digital currency, but like, isn't that what a credit card is? <laughs> well, a credit card is attached to actual money. Cryptocurrency is money they've invented. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> doesn't sound right. Yeah, I, I, I still don't get the whole thing. I'm probably an, a fuddy-duddy on this, but uh, I still think it's just a scam. I, I still think it is, too. It's, well, I mean, you, you basically created a market where you trade compute resources for actual dollars and i don't know on one level i sort of understand it conceptually on another level it sounds like complete bullshit (laughs) so so, anyway so a lot so uh, a small handful of people have made a whole lot of money on cryptocurrency and everybody else is uh chasing the rabbit so yeah you definitely Uh, have your one percenters there as well and in every currency marketplace Absolutely. So there's no uh, there's no uh, Libra 
There's no freedom and there's no equality <laughs> in any of that stuff. There's freedom the to same, lose money. You, it's the same thing. It's a free market. Figure it out, people. There, there's free, freedom to waste your time and energy and not make money. Well, if you're stealing energy from somebody else, you know. <laughs> well, okay, so, so that means two people are losing money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move on to some topics in the Linux in the Hamshack world. And the first one is from Hackaday. And this is Hackaday Conference brings SDR to the table. Less than a month from now, the Hackaday Super Conference comes alive for the fifth year. From engineering and challenging environments to elevating the art form of electronics, there are several talks that will make this a year to remember. Tickets are sold out, but you can still get on the waiting list and hope that one becomes available. And if you're holding on to one of those hot commodities but are unable to use it, please return your ticket so that we can get it to someone waiting for their with their fingers crossed. Um, further, speakers Michael Osman and Kate Temkin will be discussing the popularity of software-defined radio. SDR has led to the emergence of powerful open-source software tools such as GNU Radio that enable rapid deployment I'm sorry, rapid development of real-time digital signal processing, DSP techniques. This has been used for both radio and non-radio applications, such as audio and infrared, and now it's been shown to be tremendously useful for diverse sensors and actuators. In this talk, Michael and Kate will show how to use the open-source Great FET, that's F-E-T, platform to rapidly develop an SDR-like approach to just about anything. So, there you go. Check that out. Um, I don't think we're going to mention this in the next episode, um, but we'll hopefully mention it again before it actually happens, if you somehow manage to get a ticket to it. And I didn't bother to look and see where this conference actually was. So if Cheryl wants to do her uh, Google Foo. Oh, I'm doing Google Foo now. <laughs> Google uh, Foo. And while he. While it's in Pasadena, doing, California, on November oh, 15th through the 17th. There you go. <sighs> Sorry, Bill, Bill out Google Food you. I was yeah. waiting for the page to load. So. Yeah, that that was my. I was yeah. I was sitting there going, "Why is my page not loading?" It's Eventbrite. So. It's crappy. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll let Cheryl do the last one, and we'll have Bill do the next one. Alrighty. So, open source hardware: the problems and promise. Article author Matt Assay asks: Is open source hardware a thing? No, I'm not asking whether open source hardware projects exist. Of course they do. Whether high profile projects like Open Compute or lower profile projects like the homebrew D-Star radio for amateur radio enthusiasts. No, what I mean is, have any open source hardware projects taken off similar to Kubernetes, Apache, Kafka, or Linux? And perhaps just as interesting, interestingly, does an open source project have to reach that level of prominence in order for it to be useful? Unlike open source software, open source hardware seems like it will always be a bit of a disadvantage. Software, after all, can be free, requiring only an investment of one's time, but hardware will always have a cost. It takes up space. It must be shipped or built. Built. Uh, looking around the industry for prominent examples of successful open source hardware projects, it is difficult to identify many or really any, at least by the standards of Kubernetes or Linux. The most prominent example of an open source hardware project might, might as well, might well be Facebook's open compute. Uh, released to a much fanfare, Open Compute promised to open source Facebook's data center designs and enable every company to operate just a bit more like Facebag. It hasn't worked. Mercedes-Benz is reportedly mulling over the idea of sharing its F1 design. Such, such designs wouldn't be useful to 99% of the world's developer population. 
But for those few in the 1%, it could be a way for the industry to collaborate on base level designs and save their energy engineering firepower for more advanced, advanced differentiation. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) And that came from Tech Republic. I don't know. Open source hardware in the ham radio hobby. Let's see, uh, a dipole. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's billions of those things out there. And, uh, 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 geez, you know, most antenna design is open source and, uh, everything we do in the, the hobby. Um, in fact, like I'm building a NFED half wave, uh, with, uh, like $10 in wire. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm going to guess that Matt Assay is not an amateur radio operator. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure how this falls really in our Linux in the ham shack because but, they, uh, they <laughs> literally because they mentioned D star. I was like, Oh, oh well, we can <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. And, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we have many examples in the amateur radio hobby of open source hardware, and most of it is antennas and radios. In fact, you know, I've got books published by AWRL that tell you how to build your own darn radio. And, uh, yeah, people have. <laughs> A lot of people have over the years. Uh, and people are designing commercial products based upon open designs. So, uh, so yeah, if you want to see an open source hardware project, like take off. I mean, look at, uh, you bit X, right? I mean, that's pretty much everything's published. You could probably build your own, but why for 129 bucks, you can buy it. (laughs) 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 Someone's already done the hard work for you and given you all the schematics and everything else. Uh, yeah. You know, there's not very many proprietary chips in a lot of our radios, except for, you know, you fancy D star folks and stuff like that, or, you know, anything that requires an ambi chip or, but you can buy those now. So you can, you can just buy them and, do your own implementation and whatever you want to do. Have they um, published the spec for Ambi? I don't know if that's published or not, but obviously we can fake it in software nowadays. Well, that's true. So I'm assuming there's enough of a reverse engineering design, but that's software anyway. Um, but no, hardware-wise, I mean, yeah, you can build your own HF radio. You can build your VHF. I mean, I see guys building radios and transverters for uh, QO100, which is you know the 10 gigahertz up or whatever, 5 gigahertz down. So, I mean, you know, we are where open source hardware lives and breathes and, and continues to thrive. That's why, uh, our, our topic up there before with the guy that won the, uh, the ham, ham homebrew heroes award, you know, runs QRP labs. Hey, there's a perfect example. You can build all that stuff yourself. <laughs> you know, none of that stuff is rocket science. It's, uh, it's all published. You can find it and you can build it. Yeah. You know, look, look at all those fancy SDR projects. They're all open source. But do you know. they approach the level of acceptance of Kubernetes or Linux? Well, I would think in the marketplace that a lot of people have uh, imitated their designs. I think a lot of um, commercial SDR radios are, you know, basing their designs off of like Hermes and stuff like that that have been open source. And there a lot of development work has gone into. Obviously, Apache Labs is all built on that stuff as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of examples of really complex stuff, which is a hybrid of software and hardware. Um, most of the hardware stuff is, is, is pretty much, uh, reproducible uh, on a pretty mass scale. Yep. I agree. And, uh, Ted in the chat room is asking, uh, he, he says he thought the discord was, uh, the band was closed and I'm like, nope, wide open worldwide propagation, 24. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, Cheryl can hit the last one. You might as well just finish out the show. You're, I guess the, the end of the show is yours. Yeah, the so. end of the show is mine. Alrighty <laughs> then. So our last story is Connected World Contest announces FOSS satellite winner. Hackaday loves seeing the astonishing array of projects, large and small, entered into the Hackaday contest. 
which pushed the boundaries of what is possible. The latest has been the Connected World Contest, which was announced back in June. Today, Hackaday is pleased to bring you its four top winners. As a recap, the brief was to create something that connects wirelessly and shows a blend of creativity and functionality. Best Design Winner, FOSSASAT uh, Open Source Satellite. Uh, the FOSSAS uh, Systems Team from Spain set their sights on space with the FOSSASAT-1, an open source pocket cube Pico satellite that is to be launched with its total budget for both development and launch to be only 30,000 euros. Like many of these tiny satellite designs, it will be constructed from a from FR4 PCB material and features both in an Atmega 328AU processor and an Allura radio. It has a set of solar panels that are concealed within its 50-millimeter sided cube at launch, but will fold out to give it an extra power in flight. Its payload will be the student projects using an Atmega 1284 processor. So, And that came from Hackaday. They don't actually say that there's going to be an, any amateur radio payload on that satellite, but it's entirely possible that there might be. So it's interesting to get a couple of stories from Hackaday this time. We don't usually uh, get stories from Hackaday that are amateur radio related, but it's pretty cool. And some of the other contest winners for the Hackaday thing were, were pretty interesting too, but this one was more directly related to the things we kind of talk about. So uh, you can check that out. And when that satellite goes up, if there's an amateur radio payload, you know, you can find out about that later. A link to information about all of the stuff we've talked about tonight will, of course, wind up in the show notes. And with that, we have reached the bottom of our topics for our short topic episode. And we'll let Cheryl wrap things up with our social media roundup. All righty then. So to start things out, we're going to do with our our deal with our Patreons, which was Erno Casatlas, Randolph Smith, David Jaquay, Doug Redder, Stephen Harp, Andy Webster, Pete Caffrey, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, Donald Gover, John Spriggs, Jonas Rulo, Paul Griffith, Robert Pitts, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Steve Sainer, and William Heck- William Heckelman. Excuse me. Our subscriptions as Roger Pereira, Jim McKenzie, Michael Burdak, Fred Cole, Randolph Smith, Kevin Ivey, Bill Collins, Tony Coberly, James Lewis, Jeff Zimmerman, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling. Todd Bowers, Thor Wigman, Charlie Brown, Wayne Carpenter, Bill Piotr, Darren King, Dylan Angle, Alan Wilson, John Clark, Robert Halliday, Brian Smith, Johnny Kinsey, Robert Ike, Robert Yerke, Michael Connolly, and Jeremy Hall. On Facebook, we had um, Marisus Wozniak join us and Andy Leckert. On Twitter, we had at Radio Coder at N0BML underscore CN87VH, at Mr. Gravity 12, at VE1EV, at Cox Cranio, at Joe Kanakik, I'm going to guess that's right, at uh, Y Red Gator, or Wired Gator, excuse me, at Divine Games, and at T Zutat. On YouTube, we had Timothy Balata. Linux City and Norbert Steffian. I believe that's correct. And uh, no one joined us on the mailing list and there were no merchandise sales. All right. Very good. So those are, uh, you also said, you said Robert Ike and we're going to correct that to say Ronald Ike. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, you read these enough, you, you kind of all blend together. It blends so. together. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
All right. So with that, we have come to the end of the show. But before we go, we want to mention the folks who joined us live on the recording tonight and who are chatting up in the chat room on Discord uh, or over on IRC. We had with us Ted, WA0EIR, Dan, KF5TQN, Steve, KD0IJP, Don, KB2YSI, and Don, KC9ZMY. So thanks, everybody, for listening to the show, for tuning in live, and uh, just being a part of things. And, uh, you know, you can consider yourself part of the Linux in the Hamshack family, and we appreciate each and every one of you. So with that, we're going to sign off for episode number 308 of the Linux in the Hamshack podcast, and we'll catch you for the weekender next time around. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.